Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Our Golden Twenties. I'm Sadie, and I'm joined with my co-host, Tegan, and we are here to celebrate International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to all of our women listeners, which is like 80% of our listeners, I think, which is actually kind of surprising. I thought it was going to be like 100% women for some Mm. reason. Yeah. But every time I look at like our listener stats, I'm like... Hey, we have a few guys listening too. Yeah, so you guys, hello few to you non-binary. As well. Yeah, you non-specified, which I didn't even know that was an option. But there I love you go. It. Yeah. So today's episode, I feel like I really hyped it up at the end of last week's episode. If you guys <laughs> made it that far, <laughs> but it is kind of like unlike any episode we've done before, where we're just going to be celebrating International Women's Day by sharing some stories on women who inspire us. So we have just like kind of picked, I was going to say like randomly picked, but obviously these people inspire us for a reason. So we're just Mm going to kind of go into their stories, how they've created change or, you know, the causes that they're passionate about or whatever it is that makes them so amazing, as well as, you know, maybe some like family members and just like that kind of thing yeah I can't wait because I feel like I don't know I'm surrounded by women who inspire me and I read like autobiographies of women who inspire me but I don't get to talk about it very often girl now's your chance yeah this is something that I can't shut up about ever. <laughs> like I feel people have their cause kind of thing that they mm-hmm. really get like riled up about. Mine is being a woman. Okay. <laughs> like Great. I'm just like a huge like feminist. And this is something that I've like, I don't know. I feel like it's just been in like recent years, probably since I started working mm-hmm. that I'm just like, yes, I identify as a feminist and like, yes, that is a good thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I feel the word feminist doesn't sit right with some people but I'm like no I'm a proud feminist Mm -hmm. and we're going to kind of get into why that is but for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with International Women's Day or you know that it's a thing but you don't really know what it's about maybe we'll just start by explaining a little bit about what it is and I grabbed these things right from the International Women's Day website so that there's no you know like confusion or like Mm -hmm. it's not interpreted a different way than it was meant but essentially international women's day which is today which okay guys hold on before i get into (laughs) it tegan had this episode idea probably when we started brainstorming yeah pretty early and we were both like yes this is a great idea and then when we started planning for march i was like oh my god tegan international women's day is on a (laughs) tuesday like we're gonna have a podcast episode drop that day we need to do your women who inspire us episode Mm -hmm. so that is what brought us here but anyways all of that being said every march 8th is international women's day and it is a global day celebrating the social economic cultural and political achievements of women every year it has a different theme this year's theme is break the bias which you can find on social media hashtag (laughs) hashtag break the bias And on their website, it says about the theme, imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias. Hashtag break the bias. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah, right. So whether deliberately or unconsciously, bias makes 
it difficult for women to move ahead. And I feel like we've had a past episode all about being a woman in the mm-hmm. workplace where, you know, we've talked about our personal experiences with how being a woman in the workplace has had its challenges for us personally. But this year's theme is really all about how people know this bias exists, but just knowing it exists isn't enough. We actually need to be like taking action mm-hmm. to level the playing field. So I feel like I've been rambling on forever, <laughs> but I feel like why I've come to the conclusion I'm a feminist and why I'm so proud to be one is because I'm extremely fortunate to be surrounded by super strong, powerful, amazing women who inspire me every single day. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I think I have the most amazing mom in the entire world. I have two older sisters who are extremely overachieving individuals <laughs> that like pave the way for me as you know the baby sister but they're just such an inspiration they're so good at everything they do I have my grandma who I am going to talk about later in this episode friends mentors my personal trainer my therapist even like the podcast guests we've had yeah. like I just feel like I'm constantly surrounded by really strong women and I just mm-hmm. feel like that's why I get so like passionate talking about it you know and even the company that I'm currently working for right now the president of the company and our a lot of members of our executive leadership team are all women which is very rare yeah but it's something that I really value about the company I work for so did you want to start us off Sadie with maybe a tale of a woman who inspires you I would love to and I already told Tegan that there's an 80% chance that I'm going to (laughs) cry. And I really hope I don't because I feel like there's been times like in prepping for past podcast episodes where I'm like, I'm definitely going to cry talking Mm. about this and I haven't yet. So Mm -hmm. hopefully I don't. But the first woman I'm going to talk about, it's pretty like short and sweet. So I feel it's a good way to kick this off. Mm -hmm. But the first person I want to talk about is my grandma. And I feel like my grandma and I have a very special like bond and relationship because a lot of people probably don't know this about me. But for the first year of my life, I actually lived with my grandparents, still with my parents and sisters. You know, the whole gang was there. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, that really created a really special bond for my between my grandma and I. Mm. And then it also just like shows from there how she was so involved in my childhood and Mm -hmm. so involved in my life so why I chose my grandma not my mom not my sisters like I said they are very you know inspirational to me as well but my grandma has been through so much and I just think it's the perfect opportunity to give her a little shout out and tell her that (laughs) how much she inspires me so by the time my grandma was my age which is 26 she was widowed and had two young kids So she was a single mom in the 70s, I believe. Yeah, early 70s, raising two kids and working as a waitress, all while putting herself through nursing school so that she could get a better job for her family. She had some help from my great-grandparents because she lived with them, but she also paid to renovate the house that they lived in twice to accommodate their living situation. So she really didn't have, you know, too much financial support or even like support raising her kids because Mm -hmm. she was doing a lot of things on her own however later in life she did remarry so she's now married to my papa and like I was saying she really made my sisters and my childhood extremely special Mm. and I feel like you know it's kind of crazy to see what she's overcome like in her lifetime how she raised my dad Mm -hmm. you know how she's then kind of like 
also like really helped raise me and my sisters and everything despite you know all of the stuff she had to go through to get to where she's at today and I feel like she continues to be the rock of my family and she's everyone's support system if it's extended cousins way out west if it's you know whoever she's just like there for everybody and she's just like so much joy like when my grandma's just like I don't know when she just gets this like little giggle oh god here I go I'm gonna like cry (laughs) but it's just the absolute best so I feel like she's also somebody who knows like literally everything, you know, like I feel like Mm. people are like, my dad knows everything and my dad definitely does, but he learned it all (laughs) from my grandma where if you like ask her any question about like how to bake things, like how to take care of house plants, like literally Mm. anything, she knows the answer to it. So that is also just like goes show, I don't know how amazing she is, but Mm. she's always there to cheer me on and provide guidance and advice throughout my adult life too. So that's how we're kicking off the episode. I love it. I, oh, God. <laughs> so dumb. I always tell you guys how I'm like such an emotional person. Mm-hmm. And now here it is. I'm actually living that out today. Not just yelling at you guys some advice yeah. to how to live your best life. <laughs> well, I feel like grandmas are, I don't know. They're such a great, this sounds very weird and clinical, but they're such a great resource. Like, yeah. I the best advice is to like sit down and talk to your grandma just yeah. like ask her questions about life because obviously like as millennials or gen z's or z's for the americans we have like our own hardships but yeah. like some of the hardships that your grandparents went through are crazy like I had a grandparent that had to immigrate to Canada yeah with the assumption that she would never see her family again because that's how it was back then yeah my husband's grandma she lost babies as miscarriages and then eventually adopted and it's like you forget about how easy certain things are yeah and that's why I feel like it's if you have grandparents still with you and you have a relationship with them, it's the best to just like sit down and ask them about yeah. their life. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like too, we forget how they had like lifetimes before we did. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they've seen so much and there was so much more to their life before like we came along as their yeah. grandchild, you know? So of course they have so much more experience and things that they can and like wisdom and like lessons they learn to share with you. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that was maybe a little bit all over the place, but I was, I don't know, trying not to cry. And then I ended up (laughs) crying anyway. So anyways, that is my first woman who inspires me. Great. Yes. What about you, Tag? Who inspires you? I only brought one woman to the table. And this was the woman who basically I watched a documentary about her and Mm. I was like we should have a podcast episode where I get to talk about her because I'm (laughs) obsessed (laughs) and this is Jane Fonda and I've talked about Jane Fonda before on the podcast I've talked about this documentary Mm -hmm. it's an HBO one to watch it yeah I I did oh great I loved it yeah Yeah. I knew nothing about her yeah yeah I didn't really know anything about her too because when we were younger she was she said she was retired from acting. Okay. She's no longer retired. Right. Thank God. So got <laughs> Jane. But so I didn't really know anything about her really until I started watching Grace and Frankie on Netflix. Yeah. Which she's in and is fantastic. And I was like, what's the deal with Jane Fonda? I should look it up. And then mind blown. And then here we are. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of 
talk a little about Jane Fonda and how Please cool do. she is. Yeah. And honestly, she's a grandma age. So yeah. And I feel like Jane Fonda, like you're going to get into this kind of like, you know, with points of time with when these things are happening and like, yeah. you know, a timeline kind of of her story. But I think that's another thing when we're going back talking about like grandma or grandma age is like, we just also need to remember, especially talking about like women, like mm-hmm. women doing this in the sixties and seventies is very different than like yes. women doing this in 2022. You know yeah. what I mean? And I feel like that's why it's like women of like, yeah, grandma age, you mm-hmm. know, like are expe- like especially admirable for doing as much as they did. And yeah. like, in a totally different yeah like society yeah and there were much more like repercussions like you think of Jane Fonda calling herself a feminist and how that could be career suicide yes compared to Beyonce calling herself a feminist yeah which was then like yes Beyonce slay you know it's just times are changing yeah 100% so Miss Jane Fonda first off she's half Canadian so we love her for that that. (laughs) (laughs) But <laughs> besides that, she is a nepotism baby, but that's fine because her parents were famous. However, at the age of 12, her mother died by suicide and she was left with just her father, who she did not have a close relationship with. And she struggled a lot to try and please him and found that he was impossible to please pretty mm, much. Yeah. She... Before she began acting, she was a model and appeared twice on the cover of Vogue because she's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. But in an attempt to impress her father and his sort of beauty standards, she did become bulimic and struggled with that for a lot of her life. And she acted, obviously, in a bunch of movies and she was nominated for Academy Awards. However, despite all this success she still became politically active so during the 60s she was very supportive of the civil rights movement which for like a rich white lady Mm -hmm. is rare especially like a rich white lady in Hollywood yeah and she was very opposed to the Vietnam War which at now seems like yeah whatever Mm -hmm. but back then being publicly against it was not a great idea because you were supposed to be supporting your troops at one point she went to visit vietnam in 72 so that she could see sort of the damage that was happening there Mm -hmm. and during this trip she was photographed seated on a anti-aircraft gun and this is a very famous photo that basically got sent to america and earned her the nickname hanoi jane and it effectively blacklisted her. No one would hire her because she was so hated. It became standard that on any U.S. Naval Academy, you would shout goodnight Jane Fonda and the entire entire company of shipmen would reply goodnight bitch. Oh gosh. That's how universally hated she was. This practice has now been prohibited, I should yeah. say. But... You know, she was not well liked Mm -hmm. and she was okay with that. Mm -hmm. She has recently expressed some regrets around like her methods. Not that she was against the war, Mm -hmm. but that she should have been more tactful, which. 
Yeah, you, you know, kind of have to like that. go through it to learn that, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. She was also a drug addict at the time. And so she's like, I, I wasn't thinking straight yeah. also. But she, her reasoning behind being against the Vietnam War was that she thought that it was un-American because young Americans were being sent there to die, essentially. Right. Not that communism was good, which is how it was interpreted. Yeah. I think, sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's also, like, just so admirable to me that she, like, actually went to Vietnam. You know what I mean? And, like, actually, like, was, like, this is something I'm passionate about and, like, I want to educate myself about. And the best way to do that is to, like, go, you know? And, like, it is unfortunate that that one photograph, like, had Mm. all these, like, really negative, like, impacts on her career and whatever. But, like, I don't know. I feel like like not to totally sidetrack you but Mm. just I feel like as women it's so easy to like get involved in a cause and be like yeah I support this yeah I support Mm -hmm. that but then that's about all we do you know like we just like verbalize it but I just love how she's like I don't know just like a go-getter like she walked the walk yeah Yeah, exactly that's it she walked the walk yeah and I don't think that she regrets the damage that her opposition to the war did to her career just the damage that yeah. it might have done to soldiers, say, who felt unsupported. Yeah, 100%. And she still gets hate. In 2005, a man who I'm not even going to say his name, who was a veteran, was arrested for disorderly conduct in Kansas City, Missouri, because he spat chewing tobacco in her face during a book signing. Uh, yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, later he told reporters that he considered it a debt of honor adding she spit in our faces for 37 years it was absolutely worth it there are a lot of veterans who would love to do what i did fonda refused to press charges which is nice (laughs) a lot nicer than maybe i would have been yeah i feel like that's her like accepting maybe she handled it wrong you Mm. know what i mean or not handled it wrong sorry she can understand his side of the story a little bit yeah you know like and also like saying he's a veteran yeah like what yeah being the bigger person yeah Yeah. and so in 2013 it was later revealed that fonda was one of approximately 1600 americans whose communication between 1967 and 1973 were monitored by the united states national security agency what this i'm trying to highlight how big of a deal jane fonda was because i feel like looking back at it it's like yeah whatever but it's like no There was some shit going down with her. And she was fearlessly just like, yep, come and get me. Mm -hmm. In 1970, she was arrested by authorities at Cleveland Hopkins International Airport on suspicion of drug trafficking for really no reason, but okay. Her luggage was searched when she re-entered the United States after she participated in an anti-war college speaking tour in Canada and several small baggies containing pills were seized. She told them that they were vitamins, but she was booked by police and then released on bond. Fonda was told that the arresting officer had been told by Nixon of the White House to arrest her. She tried to explain there were vitamins. They didn't listen. And she believes that it was because they were hoping a scandal would cause the college speeches to be canceled and ruin her respectability. Mm. Lab tests eventually confirmed that the pills were vitamins and the charges were dropped. However, Fonda's mugshot from this arrest, in which she raises her fist in a sign of solidarity, has since become a widely published image of the actress. 
and I love it. I'm getting it printed so I can hang it in my house and she sells that. merch of it. So, so good. she's making that money. Thanks, Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> she also was a huge LGBTQ ally long before it was acceptable mm-hmm. and hip. She appeared in a video of a 1979 interview during the White Knight riots in San Francisco after the assassination of Harvey Milk, the first openly gay politician in California. During the interview, she was asked if the gay community was still being discriminated against, to which she replied that they are culturally, physiologically, economically, and politically being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Fonda was then asked if the gay community has used her as an advocate, and she replied that she hopes they will use her, though she stressed that they are a very powerful moment and they don't need me, but they like me. They know by working together, we can be stronger than either entity is by itself. So yes, Jane Fonda. Mm -hmm. She's also been a big supporter of Indigenous Americans, also before it was hip. So essentially, after all of her political activism, she was blacklisted. No one would hire her. No one would make a movie with her. But Which is crazy. Yeah. Like... That someone would be that extreme. Mm-hmm. But, like, I want to say the times are different. Yeah. But they also feel the same. But, like, she was very supportive of the Black Panther movement, which, like, were considered a terrorist party at the time. And... Yeah, she was blacklisted. And then in 1982, she released her very first exercise video. This is really iconic. <laughs> the tables have turned. It was titled People Jane like, Fonda's Workout. Exercise video? Okay, yeah. here we go. <laughs> go Jane. And this all started because she used to do ballet to stay thin. And she suffered an injury. Couldn't do it anymore. So then she got more into like strength and aerobics. And was like, hey, this is fun. So she created her own workout. And Jane Fonda's workout became the highest selling home video of the next few years and sold over a million copies. The video's release led many people to buy the then new VCR in order to watch and perform at home. I love the impact. (laughs) The impact this lady has. What's so funny is I think about how, you know, in my recent, like, training journey I love working out because it's a great way to release stress you know what I mean but my stress is often like the work meeting I just had yeah you know Jane Fonda had so much (laughs) yeah her stress is off the charts her stress is off the charts she's being watched by like the American government you know like everybody hates her of course she started working out to release her stress (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's why she started working out, but you know what I mean? It's just kind of funny, but also really good perspective to have. (laughs) And a lot of her workouts are on YouTube, I will say. So if you want to try it out. So 80s, like so, so good. And it's intense. Like she's strong. Yeah. In 2001, she established the Jane Fonda Center for Adolescent Reproductive Health, which aims to help prevent teen pregnancy and Obviously, she's been a feminist long before that, but this is kind of the start of her ramping up towards that. In a 2017 interview with Brie Larson published by People magazine, she also stated, one of the great things the women's movement has done is to make us realize that rape and abuse is not our fault. We were violated and it's not right. She said, I've been raped. I've been sexually abused as a child and I've been fired because I wouldn't sleep with my boss. She said, I always thought it was my fault that I didn't do or say the right thing to know 
young girls who've been raped and didn't even know it was rape. They think it must have been because I said no the wrong way. And even if you look at her filmography, there's a through line of feminism through it all. So this has obviously also been an important theme in her life. Even Mm -hmm. like you look at one of her biggest films, Nine to Five, with my gal Dolly Parton in there. (laughs) (laughs) But it's literally based off of that you're working for a man who's expecting sexual favors and Mm -hmm. he's not listening to secretaries. And that movie had a huge impact on secretaries forming unions and creating laws. So even though it might seem frivolous that like, yeah, she was a feminist in a movie. You can see how Mm -hmm. like the impacts are real. And this is maybe a little sidetrack, but this is why what you see in film and television as far as representation and things Mm -hmm. like that are so important because what you see in your media can become the reality. If you look at something like Jaws, people weren't scared of sharks before Jaws. Mm -hmm. And now people all over the world are scared of sharks. If people see a fin in the water, they will run. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so important that we need to see women in important roles in film. And we can't see like black people only playing maids and thugs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can go on forever. But she understood that at least and Mm -hmm. has been actively working towards it. And even with Grace and Frankie, the representation of like an older generation that's rarely seen Mm-hmm. on screen let alone seen on screen in a way that has like dignity yeah is really nice in a way that like speaks to everybody yeah you know what i mean like yeah like i watch it and love it and exactly. i'm not my parents watch it and love it yeah. you know my grandparents do like yeah, yeah i love that exactly and most recently she's been very active against climate change she does fire drill fridays where she will protest and occupy different parts of the city and gets arrested constantly mm-hmm. and so obviously with the pandemic she's an older lady hasn't been able to protest because of covid yeah. but if you followed her on instagram she would post literally every friday being like yep getting arrested again <laughs> yep getting arrested <laughs> again and it's just iconic her instagram's just like her talking about you know going to the oscars in the past getting arrested or like doing workouts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, Jane. I That's love what this. you call like a well-rounded woman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And so I just love her. Yeah. I, I do feel like to really get the full scope of her, like you can read her book or watch the HBO documentary. Mm-hmm. Because I especially love in the documentary how she's talking about her like hair epiphanies that she has in each phase of her life. I was like a different hairstyle and she's like I'm gonna be blonde now this mm-hmm. is my time of life which I just love but yeah and there's also just like since I have seen the documentary like based on your suggestion like yeah. you kind of going through this like there's just something about seeing her in the documentary yeah. talking about this stuff that yeah. you are just like I don't know it's just so powerful and yeah. like you just get her vibe instantly and yes it just yeah I could picture like her sitting down saying these things while you were saying it on the podcast you know what I mean like yeah it is a really good documentary it's on crave for Canadian yeah um listeners yeah anywhere where you can watch HBO yeah but yeah so that's yeah the woman who inspires me I'm just like obsessed with her Mm -hmm. because I think she's not only is she just like cool and a badass yeah but she genuinely cares for things and doesn't Mm -hmm care if it impacts her negatively to fight the good fight yeah which i think is honorable 
Yeah. And she's involved in so many things in a very genuine way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think that's something I struggle with where like I'm a very empathetic person and like I really care about everybody and like I, you know, I follow the news like I care, but I have a hard time like getting involved in everything in a meaningful way. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's what she does and Mm -hmm. she does it so well. And like you said, she's like, this is important to me, like you said. Yeah. And she doesn't care what the repercussions are. And like she's using, like you said, she comes from like a family of fame and everything. And she's mm-hmm. realized that like having that kind of and help her career and like get all that, like she's putting it to good use, which I think is so admirable. Yeah. I also wanted to say she has a really good interview with Oprah where sign me up yeah i i think it's a video but i listened to like a podcast version of it but it's with jane fonda's adopted daughter but it's very good and so it's mostly about her adopted daughter but it does go a little bit into jane's life so if you love oprah it's a good one yeah honestly oprah she is a yeah put her on the list women who inspire (laughs) us 100 percent yeah. So what about you, Sadie, who's yes. another woman who inspires you? Yes. So, okay. Well, the next woman who inspires me that I want to talk about is a woman named Elaine Welteroth. And if you are somebody who reads a lot of magazines or mm. like you're very like into kind of the fashion kind of like editorial space you are 100% familiar with her but if you're not and you've never heard her name before that is okay I'm going to give you a little background on her and tell you all about her so Elaine is best known for becoming the youngest editor-in-chief in Condé Nast history when she was appointed the role at Teen Vogue in 2017 so she What I like really relate to her about is that she grew up in a small town in California and she really had to make a name for herself in New York and in the magazine industry from the ground up. Mm. She had no connections really like she was just like this is my dream and I'm going to find a way to make it happen and I feel like you know on a much smaller scale I relate to that like with my story just like moving to Toronto after growing up in a small town outside of the city not knowing anybody and being like I have dreams so I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. So how Elaine made it work or how she got her foot in the door was literally cold calling an editor she looked up to. And after a lot of persistence, aka every day phone calling this editor, talking to (laughs) her assistant, the assistant eventually gave in and was like, I will give you like 10 minutes to talk to this editor on the phone. And just to shut you up kind of thing. (laughs) But she ended up chatting with this editor and five months later, this editor called her up and offered her a job Mm. at Ebony. And that was her first job and how she broke into the magazine industry. So crazy enough, another honorable mention um, for women who inspire us is Michelle Obama. And Mm. Michelle Obama was actually Elaine's first cover shoot at Ebony, which is... I would say a sign that she's doing what she's meant to be doing. Mm-hmm. Like if you show up to the first day of work and it's like, hey, how about you meet Michelle Obama? It's yeah. like, mm, that's a sign that <laughs> you're in the right spot at the right time. So anyways, after that, she spent a decade building her career of becoming a magazine editor and ended up becoming the second black editor and the youngest editor ever at Condé Nast in their 107 year history. And if you don't know what Condé Nast is, it's essentially like 
the giant publishing company that owns a lot of print magazines, Mm. most notably, obviously, Vogue, Teen Vogue, and a whole bunch of other publications. I think kind of where we get into... So, of course, you know, we can already see that she was, like, very determined to chase her dreams and everything like that. How I like really got to know her story was by reading her book more than enough I recommend like everybody read this book I have some Mm. like quotes I'm gonna kind of get into like the impact she had at Teen Vogue in a bit but I have some quotes that I'm gonna throw in there they're all from her book and if you're like wanting to hear more about her history more about her career I just highly recommend you read her book but anyways high level the impact she had at Teen Vogue So in her role at Teen Vogue, she was determined to give space for young women and people to use their voices and advocate for change. Under her leadership, the magazine had more content focused on politics and social justice, including critical coverage of the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Mm. She's been credited for getting American tweens, which I hate that word so much, (laughs) but tweens and teens reading about politics. She essentially was saying how she really just wanted to create space and Mm. for people to stop underestimating the power and essentially just like stop underestimating young people in general and start, you know, actually paying attention and giving credit to younger generations. So she was also the first editor at Teen Vogue to invite activists to serve as guest editors and ensured that the cover stars and article content was diverse and represented all readers, regardless of their race, their culture, just everybody was represented. Mm -hmm. So she ensured, you know, Indigenous, South Asian, East Asian, Black, Muslim, all of those backgrounds and stories were represented in the in the pages of her Teen Vogue issues. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes from her book is, in order to change the stories, you must change the storytellers. And I think when we th- go back to two episodes ago or whenever we were talking about, you know, is creating your own business like what you should do? Right. Or, you know, I brought up this point of my idea to start my own business is to create change. I want things done in the right way. I want things done my way, but not just my way, but like that aligns with my values and like the greater good of the Mm -hmm. world, whatever I feel like. Well, I also said in that episode how sometimes and what I'm coming to learn is that you can actually create a lot of change, a lot of positive change, more impact by working with these large corporations and companies that have actual power rather than just, you know, starting your own small business on the side. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I feel like Elaine is really the perfect example of how you can create change and make an impact from the inside out and from an inside of a really large corporation. When you think of Condé Nast, you know, they were around for 107 years Mm -hmm. before they had like two black editors. Like, yeah, that's insane, you know, and she was 29 when she was the youngest editor ever. It's just for a teen magazine. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just she was definitely a trailblazer Mm -hmm. in the space. Elaine was also, I feel like one thing Elaine, I really admire about Elaine is that she's always, always, always like embracing change. And Mm. I feel like in her book, she talks a lot about how she really leaned into digitizing Teen Vogue. So this Mm. is, you know, back in 20, what did I say? Sorry, 2007, 2008 ish, or 2017, 2018 ish, where you know, social media is really becoming a big thing. So she was embracing social media by hosting Facebook lives, creating a YouTube channel. And she also was updating the website to something very similar to what it is now. Mm. And why this is so important really is of course, showing that she's embracing change and embracing, you know, connecting with younger people with 
where they actually are. But this magazine, like Teen Vogue, is actually no longer in print. It's strictly digital with their social media and website presence. And I feel like she really kind of like put the foundation in place. But there's a lot of that in her book. Mm. I think what is the most inspiring to me, though, about Elaine's story is she really struggled with her identity. And I feel like I didn't talk about this too much in like her background, but this is something that comes through a lot in her book. But she basically said she always kind of lived in the in-between and she really struggled with her identity so for instance the biggest thing was she wasn't white enough to fit in with the white kids but she wasn't black enough to fit in with the black kids either and like this was a big kind of piece of her childhood and like her figuring out who she is where she belongs and that sort of thing so identity is a huge piece to her and what I find so inspiring and admirable is even though she struggled with this sense of identity I feel like everything she's accomplished she's done by being 100% authentic to herself and I Mm -hmm. think that is just so so admirable Another quote from her book is sometimes just being yourself is the radical act. When you occupy space and systems that weren't built for you, your authenticity is your activism. So I obviously can't relate to struggling with my identity when it comes to race. And I feel like even struggling with my identity in general, that isn't Mm -hmm. something that I've really like dealt with. I've always kind of had a pretty clear vision of like who I am, what I want to do, that sort of thing. But that being said, I really value my sense of identity and it's really important and fascinating to me. So I feel like that's why I'm just like so inspired by her. You Mm. know what I mean? And like that part of her story. So Elaine is now 35 years old. She's still crazy young, Mm -hmm. honestly. And I feel like that's another reason why I wanted to include her on this list is she was young when she was accomplishing these things in her career, but she's still so young and continuing to do really cool things. So she no longer works in publishing. She's not at Teen Vogue anymore, but she's pivoting her career as she accomplishes her goals. She accomplishes her dreams and she's still embracing change as she continues to grow and learn. Another quote that I heard in an interview with her is your life is a series of dreams realized. That one really hit home. Yeah. I was just like, ooh, love that. <laughs> Me as the goal setter, you yeah. know, the absolute dreamer. I was like, yes, Elaine. Love it. So essentially, this is who Elaine is and why I chose her as a woman who inspires me to talk about with you guys today. Mm-hmm. If you're also interested, you know, in learning more about her, obviously follow her on social media. And she has her book, More Than Enough, which was a New York Times bestseller. Mm. But she also has a masterclass all about pivoting your career, finding, you know, how to line up your passions with mm. your values and those sorts of things. It's called designing your career. I don't know if I just said that, but <laughs> I haven't taken it, but I really want to. Yeah. And I think it's really, really good. It maybe came out just like last year or two years ago. And you might also see her if you watch Project One Way because she is a judge on the show. But that is all I wanted to really say about her. I'll leave you guys with one last quote, which I think is extremely relevant to today's episode. But when women affirm women, it unlocks our power. It gives us permission to shine brighter. I love that. Right? Me too. I love that, especially because I feel like there's a myth that say a company's diversifying it's like all the women have to compete for the one yeah good spot at the top yeah when it's like that's not how it works if one woman succeeds mm-hmm. it's like paving the way for the rest exactly 
I love that. Yeah. And I even think about our podcast, you know, like when Mm. we go back to talking about our podcast guests that we are so obsessed with, like we want to, we love being like women. We look and like, you know, having women listeners be a large part of our listeners, but then we also want to empower other women by bringing them on our podcast, talking about whatever it is that they're passionate about and experts in. And I feel like it's just like a great way, like you said, to support each other and like, yeah, yeah, help, help each other, like lift each other up rather than being like competing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Also fun fact, my husband's met her. Oh yes. You told me that. (laughs) Uh, We day, which checks out. I mean, obviously, you know, we won't talk too much about that, but (laughs) she's just like an advocate for youth, you know, and exactly younger generation. So definitely checks out. Great. Well, I think that's where we're going to leave it mm-hmm. for this week. I hope that you feel inspired and are maybe thinking about the women who inspire you. Yes. It would be really awesome if you could share like on our Instagram, some of the women yeah. who inspire you, even if it's like my mom, I would yeah. still love to hear that. <laughs> Honestly, my mom inspires me so yeah. much. <laughs> And I hope that everyone has an amazing Women's Day, whether you're a woman or not. It's an awesome day. And I want to thank you so much for listening this week. We put out a new episode every single Tuesday. So make sure you're subscribed to us. Give us a rating if you enjoyed this episode. And in between the episode drops, you can find us on social media at our golden twenties. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest, Spotify. And we also have a Patreon page, which is the best way to show your support for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. See you next Tuesday.